Welcome to the Lift As You Climb podcast, where it's all about the journey and the joy to discovering who you are now and deciding who you want to become and embracing your genuine identity, influence, and impact. In each episode, we'll explore how life's experiences have prepared us for what we choose to do next and how to create our encore, write our own script, and star in the next stage of our lives. I'm your host, your next business strategist and transformation catalyst, Isabel Banerjee. Welcome, my friends. This is an uber exciting day for me. I'm always excited to have guests on the Lift As You Climb podcast. Today is like a double whammy because I am excited and I'm scared at the same time because this is a new relationship to me introduced by one of my dear friends and inspirations and lifters of me, Linda Lundstrom. And if you tuned in earlier, you know that I had an amazing podcast episode with Linda called Original Gangster, and that she certainly is. On that interview, Linda was talking about her absolutely perfect red lipstick, which led my curious brain to ask questions. And I discovered cheekbone beauty. That led to this opportunity to introduce to you all today, the CEO, the founder, the badass inspiration of that socially conscious, sustainable, colorful, amazing Canadian-founded business, Cheekbone Beauty, Jen Harper, welcome to our podcast. Aw, thank you so much for having me. And that is a great way to describe Linda. She is definitely an OG gangster. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I actually had to ask her to explain that to me. So (laughs) this is the thing generationally... When you're 60s and 70s, some of these things I missed. I was at a class that day, but I'm catching up. That's the other joy of being at this age in my life, having been a lifelong learner always. But now I'm completely bold in saying, I don't know that, but give me a minute and I'm going to Google it and I'll catch up with you. She has two pretty hip daughters, I think, that teach her a lot of this stuff, right? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. She's got some inside magic there with Moshe and Sophie. What an amazing formation. When we talked about that, that Linda was saying how they, her younger generations, and she included you in that conversation, were helping her, were lifting her to teach her new skills, new ways of doing business, opening up all kinds of new possibilities. So for those of you that haven't listened to the podcast, the business we are talking about with Linda Lundstrom and her two daughters is called Thermacoda. And it's, as they describe, bespoke outerwear and definitely worth checking out. So circle back here a little bit with me, Jen, and we'll talk about this. And just before I forget, For those of you that are listening to the podcast today, thank you. Thank you very much for being here again. 
And sometime in the near future, I promise you that you'll actually be able to see us, see how Jen and I, without scripting it, without rehearsing it, have got our backgrounds color coordinated. And this will be on YouTube, I hope, very, very soon. And you can also see how great I look in the lipstick. I'm wearing Shannon right now. I wanted to talk to you, A, because my friend Linda highly, highly recommended you as an inspiration and someone who more than just talks, you really walk the talk and you do lift others. I'd like you to share your story around that in a moment. But I also wanted to talk to you because I get all kind of groupy excited about talking to other female entrepreneurs that have not only created success, but did it differently. And I know that you have. So I'd love for you to share about that. But first, for my audience, Jen, could you please give us a little background of how you got to be in that place when you started your company? As you said to me earlier, off air, five years ago, but really only full time in the role, when you could quit your day job, as they say, in the last two or three, correct? Correct. So that was in August of 2019. I got to go full-time or all-in to Cheekbone Beauty. Yeah, so I will share, you know, not your typical path into entrepreneurship at all. I always worked for other people, and I was really quite happy doing that. I had a great career in sales and marketing for a seafood company for eight years before leaving to do this full-time. And prior to that, I was always in the food world or industry because I was with Cisco, which is a broadline distribution food company, North American wide. And then pre that, I was in the hospitality space, mostly working in boutique style hotels, really helping our guests have that incredible, really detailed, high-end customer experience. And I only say those things and and talk about them because it's really incredible how that your whole career really does find itself in whatever you're doing next. And so at Cheekbone Beauty, we really try to provide an excellent customer experience. But so had this crazy dream. It's January 2015. I like pop out of bed, grab my laptop, and I had a dream about native little girls covered in lip gloss. And to rewind a little bit, I was only learning about my family history really recently. I always knew my whole life that I had this feeling of being disconnected from my native family. One, because I grew up with my mom, who's not native. So I had no connection to my community or my culture, language, all of those things. And I wanted to learn more. There was a problem, though. I was actually really ashamed of who I was and where I came from because my entire life, I believed in the stereotypes that existed about my people or that side of my family, which in hindsight and having that aha experience when I learned about residential school learned that was my grandmother's experience and how that truly impacted her life. And that is called generational or transgenerational trauma. When one person is handed an event or events that they're not equipped to deal with. She was six years old when she entered the system. She didn't leave till she was 16, left with so many scars, went on back to our family's reservation to have her own family, had eight kids, my dad being one of the oldest, and she's not healed from trauma, basically. That's what happens when you don't heal. It then gets passed on to the next generation. So 
was passed on to my father and ultimately passed on to me. How that showed up in my life and in my father's life and in my grandmother's life, unfortunately, was through addiction. I battled alcoholism personally for many years. It was in November of 2014 that I got sober and then had this dream in 2015. It's like connecting the dots, looking back after the fact and seeing, oh, okay, this is why these things happen that way. Then from that dream, literally spent all of 2015 and 2016 in full market research. I knew nothing about making lip gloss or how to do that. And so after that dream, I originally thought, I'm going to figure out how to make lip gloss and I'm going to start a foundation in my grandmother's name. In the dream, those little girls that were covered in this lip gloss, when I woke up, the thing I remember most about that was their joy and how happy they were and their laughter. Us as a brand at Cheekbone Beauty, our mission and vision is helping every Indigenous kid on the planet see and feel their value in the world where we're crafting sustainable color cosmetics. That's never left us the reason why we exist. Everything we do is about empowering them. First, it was about empowering them and sustaining them with the concept of representation. For decades, and me as a youth growing up, I never saw anyone in the beauty industry or mass marketing or media that looked like me. That wasn't actually a bad story that you saw in the media, right? A lot of the stories we see in the news about Native communities always had that undertone of a stereotype or two, all of the misconceptions, nothing about how beautiful our culture is and how beautiful our language is and the truth was buried. The more I learned about that, the more building cheekbone beauty has honestly helped me heal so many of my past wounds. I'm super grateful to one, be sober still to this day, which is awesome in itself for me because that was a long battle. I'm not ashamed to talk about anymore because if you would have met me 10 years ago, I can't even imagine publicly saying that I had a problem. I'm super grateful to be in the space that I am now and have spent these last seven years building a business that I'm really, really proud of and get to wake up every day and say that that's my job. Wow. Wow. I'm so glad that you didn't give up through the difficult times, the recovery, and Lord knows The entrepreneurial journey is not an easy one either. I'm grateful that you are sharing your story so candidly and so generously because by doing that, and it's what I do, I say I always sit in my underwear in public and share. Everybody else gets a chance to go, oh my God, it's not just me. And we can stop that bad behavior and stop that shaming and feeling of shame. So good, good, good. Please continue on your mission. I think it's marvelous. And I hope that it continues to perpetuate through the whole society and other brands and other industries. Thank you. I'm curious how you chose the name. Yeah, so it's funny how you have a business and you're working on all these things and you don't even have a name for it. And it was probably about nine months, but I had just listened to another podcast, listening to Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, right? Who doesn't love Sarah Blakely? So she talked about how she came up with the name for her business and how the letter K is very memorable for people. She had comedian training in her background, and she learned that when you say things with the word K, it makes people laugh. They remember what you're saying. 
So I was just stuck on this K and driving one day and I was like, cheekbone. I love cheekbones. I love cheekbones on all human beings. Indigenous people do have dominant cheekbones. That's a feature. They're high cheekbones. And then I got home that night and I started looking up the word and researching it. People with high cheekbones were perceived as more trustworthy. There was just all these good things that I was finding about it. And so I'm like, that's it. Cheekbone beauty is the name. And gratefully, the US Patent and Trademark Office, as well as Canada, they came later. We've been applying for our trademark with their logo and the word cheekbone for a long time. And we own them now, according to those two uh, offices in both countries, which is good news because it's an actual real word, which if you talk to other entrepreneurs, real words are hard to yep. get trademarked. But with the logo, we were able to do that. Beautiful. Now, for everyone who's listening, you should go check this out because it is a beautiful logo. There's a beautiful feather swoosh and then the cheekbone. Also, while you're on cheekbonebeauty.com, is that correct? Correct. There's also kinds of pretty things to look at there that will make you smile as well. So dream, awareness, recovery, growth. You were not an entrepreneur. What were the first steps that you took as an entrepreneur? One was how I kept reading things about what is your value proposition? What is your differentiating factor? And that kept popping up. And you tell anyone you want to start a business and right away they're questioning you. And I didn't tell people right away. I, I let it sit for a year of doing that market research alone at night on the weekends. And I figured out, okay, my differentiating factor was going to be that we were going to be more a social enterprise. So there wasn't too much research on social enterprises at the time, but there was businesses like Tom Shoes, which I really admired that one-for-one one concept. And so Blake, the founder of that company, he went to Argentina. He saw kids not having shoes and discovered how he could create jobs for people and have shoes made and then give shoes back to the community. And I'm like, that sounds amazing, right? So I learned later on that was a bit of a mistake on his part. And he did admit it because when he was making shoes for a community, he was actually taking jobs away from that community. And a lot of communities rely on their own sort of economic stability, which means a little shoemaker in an Argentinian village needs to make shoes that are to be sold to the community so they have jobs. So anyway, he went on later and figured out, okay, how can I support that the local makers and not take jobs away? That's where I was like, okay, what can we do as a community? How can we support our community? So one way we found, I worked with a business advisory board and they were really adamant about me not focusing too much on the giving back part of the business. They really wanted me to just focus on the business because the giving back the foundation, it's in itself is like another whole new business. But I didn't listen. That's one advice I never took. I said that I'm only doing this so we can give back. So I kept, I think I kept dug my heels in on that portion and always continued to focus on what we could do as our give back. And so what we do now is we give back a ton of product to Indigenous organizations across North America. We're involved in planting trees. We give cash donations to the First Nation Child and Family Caring Society. And then we also do seasonal giving back projects, which we call our give box. We usually do one in the spring and summer. And then we also do one around the, the holiday time as well. So just creating that layer into the business, giving back, 
that was our first way that we were going to differentiate ourselves. The more time I spent in the beauty industry, I realized there's a lot of ways we can differentiate ourselves. One came to becoming a more sustainable business and brand. We all know the beauty space is traditionally known for having a ton of packaging. So we were just working really hard on how to change out things, find new kinds of packaging, look for new innovation, work in our own lab here and figure out what kind of packaging we can work on and create where we would feel comfortable enough calling ourselves a sustainable brand. We are super transparent about it. We say now that we're on a journey. There is no end destination to sustainability. Unfortunately, as human beings, we are over consumers. So how can we make products that are reusable, refillable? One of the main ingredients in our new foundation that we'll launch next year, we're using waste as one of the main ingredients. Waste that comes from plants, instead of being tossed away, it's being repurposed getting super creative and innovative and thinking about how we can do things differently, really reimagining the beauty industry. I really love that because I think of nature as beauty. It's the beauty that surrounds us. So working with nature to carry on that beauty in convenient forms, consumer forms makes so much sense. It's a completion of that circle. Thank you for that. I was very pleased when I received my order that there was minimal packaging and there was that lovely insert with the seeds that I could plant and grow a little beauty in my own yard. So there was thanks. And I was thinking, yay, I have a little Canada with me here in Arizona. (laughs) And it's true. Thank you also for being candid about that. The work is never done. We don't just get to a spot and go, okay, complacency, you can take over now. Yeah, that doesn't work for any impact or influence going forward in life, does it? And I already asked you about a statement I hadn't personally heard about your company being digitally native. And you explained that to me. Would you mind repeating it? Sure. So that means that we were really built online. In the last maybe eight to 10 years, the e-commerce world where we could go directly to brands and be purchasing from them. We've seen over the last year during COVID, there's been so many more pop up. What that does, it actually gives the brand the opportunity to really get to know their customer. It also helps you figure out using things like social media, using digital ads, how to build your own community and audience online. At the end of the day, I feel like for us, it's been such a great way to get to know our customer. As a brand, you want to know what your customer wants to use, what they want to see, what they like. And it's really one of the things that pushed us to become more of a sustainable brand. That was the messaging. That was the tone. That's what we were seeing and hearing from our communities. So how do we make and ensure that the raw ingredients from harvest to end of life of product are sustainable, biodegradable, breaking down in ecosystems after they're being used? These were all literally things that we could see people craving and asking for. When we create next generation of products, that's what they're based on. And it's only because we have this direct relationship, direct to consumer relationship with them that we're able to do that. And we know historically for many years, brands were designing things based on what the retailer would tell them that the customers want. So your customer was the retailer, not the actual customer. 
now I'm thinking about it, it just makes sense. You're like, of course, you want to talk directly to the customer. They're the ones buying your product. When you have an e-commerce place or a platform to build that relationship with your community online, it's a great way to get to know them. And we are launching in Sephora in September. And it's been awesome because we're going to Sephora with our community already built, but we're also going to be able to grow our community and get to know more people through the Sephora chains and platforms. Really exciting, but definitely I think that is new to the world of technology. There's so many new things happening all the time and definitely building a digital brand is one of those new ways to get to know your customer. Okay. You started your business from a digital platform directly to the consumer through the online avenues, and you did so before COVID. So thank you for the timing of what you did. It seems to me that this is also a a bit different than most businesses, particularly in the personal care consumer business, that you didn't start with a brick and mortar store. You started online and then you were ready to take on a business-to-business relationship like Sephora, correct? Correct. And what is that relationship going to be like? Let the secret out of the bag for everybody. Yes, we get to start in Sephora, Canada. And obviously, we would love to be in Sephora in every country, next being the United States. So we've already had one meeting with the U.S. team. I've been in sales for so many years. I know you have to keep knocking on the door to get them to let you in. I think they're waiting to see what happens with our Sephora Canada plan, right? You want to scale where it's affordable. I think every entrepreneur knows scaling too fast and not having enough money, you don't ever want to be in that predicament. So I think at this steady pace, we are excited to build this Sephora Canada relationship, next Sephora USA, and we've also reached out and started working with the Sephora Australia team. Indigenous people are global, which is really interesting. For us, our mission has always been reach. So to reach every Indigenous kid on the planet, that means we need to be available to them in every Sephora. All right. So I wanted to ask that question. Who typically are your customers? I was going to guess it's not the majority are not Linda Lundstrom and Isabel Banerjee types in our 60s and blonde and fair skin. But you are there. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it works. It's, It's amazing worked really hard to create a relationship with, with our whole community. Jen, you have touched on all the important points. In fact, my podcast episode, which released today, is called The We Fix You Industries. My protest, my rally against the industries that are marketing to me as a woman in my 60s to fix everything about me to make me look younger, look thinner, look, you know, whatever. And I just said, no, no, I'm not giving you my money. If you're going to try to market by telling me I'm not good enough the way I am or as who I am or how I choose my style to show up, then I'm taking my business elsewhere. I'm taking my business to Cheekbone Beauty and other brands that recognize that it's identifying the individual beauty, the individuality, the beauty, 
And then the right reasons that people choose a product and how that helps, whether it's making me feel better, look better, be more confident, uh, knowing that my purchases are not poisoning streams and rivers. Thank you. And keep on doing it. Okay. (laughs) No problem. On that note, when you said that, it's really interesting from the beginning, we have worked with every photographer and we're like, you are not allowed to touch up these photos. We want real skin. If someone has a hair, it was just so important to us to show real people. We're bringing that messaging. I have a daughter who's 14. That to me was so important to make sure that she never feels like she's not good enough. We really should get you and I and Linda together on another episode because we had that conversation also about how we set examples for our younger generation in how we respond to this. And of course, Linda Lundstrom, having been a, and still is a fashion icon, she's got an inside view on one of the most deceptive industries in the world. If you don't mind, I want to bring this back because Lift As You Climb is all about this privilege that I have of showcasing women who share who are willing to share defining moments in their life about how they were lifted and how that impact their lives and how moments of yeah I can I can lift somebody else does anything come to your mind specifically that you would like to share with our audience it's incredible the opportunities you do get I'm just thinking of people that have lifted Linda and her daughter, you've already mentioned them, are such huge lifters. We've all seen that meme, surround yourself with the people that will mention you in a room full of opportunities. I am so grateful that I get that there's so many people that have said things in those rooms that have gotten us to where we are. Now, when I'm here and getting into the spaces, our job as a brand is to help other Indigenous kids. The mission of our brand and also what I want to do personally is just make them feel like there's a chance that it's possible, right? I cannot believe that I'm sitting in our headquarters outside of a lab where we have teams of people. I can't even imagine years ago the possibility for the brand that we have built. I definitely want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can. So what we do as a business whether we write blogs about other Indigenous businesses or we do collaborations with entrepreneurs that happen to be women or just doing whatever we can to connect with people and network and and highlight the things that we love about another business. For us, a lot of times it is other Indigenous entrepreneurs. Just taking this personally to remember that that's what we have to do because it's happened for us. We've seen it. We're living it. And then when you get to have conversations with someone helping somebody else out, it's so powerful. I'm ashamed to say I grew up a lot in the last few years because when I was a younger woman, I came from a very competitive business world industry where I felt like I had to be a certain way and it was all wrong. I can't believe the things you fall for and believe when you discover the power of actually loving other people and caring about them and supporting their journeys, your entire life, the script flips, took me a long time to get here. But there's a lot of anger that comes from the trauma that I had to grow up in and been raised in. I won't beat myself up too much for my past bad behavior. 
if I sense it with another younger woman, I just know she'll learn and get it because it took me, I feel like too long to figure that out. But I know that I will still support someone, even if you, because everyone's learning. We're all on this journey together. Now, Jen, you can't own all the responsibility around that attitude of competition and scarcity of opportunity. It was programmed in this right from grade school. Good for you and good for me and other women that went, crap, that doesn't feel good. And you know what? It's not even working. It's not true. That is not true that that's how we all get ahead. As my dear friend Lee says, opportunity is not like pie. You don't run out of it. There's plenty for everybody. When we are collaborating each and every time that I have brainstormed, masterminded, collaborated with other women entrepreneurs, we create 10 new ideas. It just exponentially continues to explode. That's what Lift As You Climb is for me. It's that belief that while we are doing well, we can do good, that while we live our legacies, then really stand up there with courage, put your big girl panties on and try it, even if you don't really know all of how it's going to work out, because your impact will then be a success ladder for someone else. It sounds like you had to figure out a lot of that on your own. Glad you were open to it and you didn't give up on it. I totally agree with you that it's been ingrained. Coming from a sales background, we lived and died by competition and numbers and all of those things can really make you nauseated at the end of the day when I think about it. If we worked together as sales teams, I'm imagining we would have gotten a lot further instead of competing against one another in a lot of the businesses. Yeah, it's life-changing when you actually learn the power of lifting other people up. That whole concept of there really is more happiness in giving than receiving. I feel the greatest joy when I get to give something to someone, whether it's a connection. Another Indigenous beauty brand, I got to email her the other day, the buyer of Sephora USA. Why not? That's what this is about. It's so hard to get those emails or those connections. Why not help someone else out on their journey as well? Fantastic. There's a to-be-continued wish here, but for today, because I know you are busy building this empire and building your success ladder, I got to wrap, but I always like to ask a question of my guests. Can you share something about Jenna Harper that we probably can't find on Google? This one's going to seem silly. But I know you're Canadian and you will get it. I'm obsessed with ketchup chip. That is my favorite thing in the whole world. When I want to just have one of those days where I'm doing things that, you know, I try to eat lots of fruits and veggies. But sometimes on a Friday night, I get real crazy and get a Diet Coke and some ketchup chip. And I'm just having a great time. (laughs) I'll be sitting on the couch beside you with salt and vinegar. But ketchup, yeah, that's pretty darn good too. They don't have those here. No, they don't. No. Okay. Well, I guess for all my American friends, when I'm visiting Canada, I'll have to bring back a suitcase full of chips. Okay. Now, your turn. Is there something you would like to share in parting? Oh, I know you said some of your audience is from the U.S. 
So we would love if they want to support our brand. Following our social medias is super helpful and tagging that Sephora.com, Sephora USA, so that they could learn about Cheekbone. We always get our community to help us tag those businesses that we want to connect with. The more of those they get, the better for us. They'll see that people are interested in our products to be in their stores. We're on it for you. In the show notes, I'm going to include everything I can about your company, where everybody can follow and become part of the Cheekbone Beauty movement. We'll also make sure that we push some buttons, we wave some flags over there at Sephora to say, hey, you know what? We want this here too. Well, maybe sometimes we don't want to wait for it to come in the mail. We want to just pop over to the store and buy it. So let's do that. And more importantly, Sephora, you will help Jen Harper and Cheekbone Beauty continue to do the good work and the necessary work that she's doing to support Indigenous youth. We're going to get this rippling around the world. Thank you. So everyone, make sure you read those show notes and follow Jen and Cheekbone Beauty Truly, oh my God, I'm going to do my own little personal promo. I have tried many lipsticks in my 66 and two thirds of a century life. And I did not ever like any of this kind because I always felt like my lips were turning into sawdust (laughs) in a very short period of time or they were burning. This feels like velvet. I don't know how you've done it, but it just feels like velvet. And look, yay. So thank you. No problem. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for having me. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope our conversation added value to your day and expanded your vision for your legacy and impact. Please join me in increasing my impact and expanding my reach to more people by sharing this episode on social media or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. To catch all of the latest from me, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me and others in my community Facebook group, The Lift As You Climb Movement, where you can engage, be inspired by, and grow with a tribe of like-minded people. As I evolve as a podcaster, and a spokeswoman for collaboration and economic empowerment, your input and feedback are especially important to me. I welcome your suggestions and questions to hello at theencorecatalyst.com. Until we meet again, please remember that your success may be the foundation to someone else's. Together, we can raise success ladders around the world. Mm -hmm.